0: Continuing my uh, sermon series on the 12 minor prophets from the Old Testament, and today we're looking at uh, probably the most familiar of all of the prophets, and that is the prophet Jonah. So I'll be reading first from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried to his God, They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our uh, second scripture reading is also from um, the book of Jonah. We're going to skip ahead to Jonah chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10 of Jonah chapter 3. You can follow again on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent. And change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's an old saying that uh, a leopard can't change its spots, or a zebra can't change its stripes. That said, change is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is change really possible? Can change be a reality for you and me? I'm willing to bet that there isn't a person here who wouldn't like to change at least one aspect of their lives. And the good news is that there's a market out there just waiting to cater to the changes that you would like to make in your life. I was uh, scrolling through Amazon this week and I came through some interesting book titles about making a personal change. One book was titled, Everyday Enlightenment, The Twelve Gateways to Personal Growth. Another, Creative Visualization, Using Imagery and Imagination for Self-Transformation. How about this one? Eight Keys to Greatness, How to Unlock Your Hidden Potential. Or this one. Light is the new black, a guide to answering your soul's callings and working your light. And then finally, hang with me here, drifted into the deeper land, talks on relinquishing the superficiality of mortal existence and falling by grace in the divine depth that is reality. Huh? What these books tell me is that people want their lives to be different, but we don't know where to turn. So back to my original question, is change possible? Well, SlimFast says, give us a week and we'll... Obviously, we don't have any (laughs) SlimFast customers here. That's okay, I'll tell you. Give us a week and we'll take off the wing. So we can make change to our appearance through diet and exercise, or with proper education and training, we can change our careers. But the big question, the one that's most often asked is, can we change our character? Can we change our behavior? Can we change who we are? Now, most people say, no way. Because some argue it's all about nature, it's in the genes. It's my DNA who makes me who I am. I am what I am and that's all that I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Now others say that it's nurture. I am who I am because of my upbringing. Either way, you're not responsible because it's not your fault. Well, friends, my belief is that that kind of thinking is wrong because it robs people of any hope by saying, in essence, well, there's just no way out of this pit for you, stop fighting it, you're stuck where you are, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can do about it. Can you think of a more depressing message than to hear, there is no hope for you? It denies that God has the power to change lives where it is needed most. It's a message which communicates that God is not able to do anything for you. So what can we do as the Church of Jesus Christ? Can we offer hope to the world that change is possible? That there is nobody who is beyond redemption? That you and I can become a new person Not just in our bodies through Slim Fast, but in our hearts and minds as well. Well, Let's find out. In Jonah chapter 1, God says, Jonah, I need for you to go to the city of Nineveh and preach to those poor misguided people there. Now, the last place that Jonah expected to find any change of behavior was amongst the people of Nineveh. And so it says that Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish, away, away from the presence of the Lord. If we were to look at a historical map, it's really pretty funny because uh, Tarshish is over here and Nineveh is way over there. And so it'd be like God saying, I want you to go to Philadelphia. And instead you hopped in your car, got on the Pennsylvania Turnpike and started driving towards Pittsburgh. Jonah travels in the exact opposite direction from where God wanted him to go. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. As far as he was concerned, those people in Nineveh could go to you-know-where in a handbasket. And so God says, uh, or Jonah says, God, that's really not my job description. See, I'm a prophet to Israel. Nineveh, duh, that, that's on the other side of the tracks. Now, to be fair, Jonah is not the first person who ever questioned God's call. Remember, Moses was not exactly thrilled when God said, Moses, you're gonna be the one who leads the children of Israel out of captivity from Egypt and into the wilderness. And Moses sort of hemmed and hawed and stood there beating around the burning bush. Elijah actually begged God for him to die because he was so tired of living life on the run away from Queen Jezebel. It was Jeremiah who told God, I- I'm just a boy. I- I'm too young and I don't really know how to preach in a very convincing manner. So those are just a couple of examples of people who who shrank, who shrank from God's call over their lives. People who felt either unqualified or unworthy or just plain scared. But none of them did what Jonah did. Jonah said, no, and he ran away from God. And so he goes to the seaport city of Joppa, he runs up to the ticket booth and he says, I want the, uh, the ticket to the furthest place away from here that i can think of, oh, I don't know, how about Tarshish? It's gonna take Jonah about 18 months by boat to get to Tarshish through the Straits of Gibraltar. Now, what's amazing to me in looking at the story is that Jonah actually believed that he could run away from the presence of God. You see, in that pagan society, it was believed that a god was geographically bound by the borders in which that god was worshipped. And so Jonah figured that once he was away and out to sea, that the best that God could do was simply stand on shore and wave goodbye. But God says, not so fast, Jonah. It's about time you begin to understand just how big I really am. Because as Jonah runs away from God, as he's out to sea aboard that ship, God goes, and god goes and god goes and meanwhile jonah is being tossed and turned aboard that ship waves are lapping over the boat he's drenched from head to toe and then the light bulb goes on over his head he goes hey wow you know god is out here too and then later on god is going to provide a great fish to swallow jonah before he sinks to the bottom of the sea So there's just no way that Jonah is going to be able to get away from God. He can't run, he can't hide, he can't even die. One way or another, God is gonna get Jonah over to Nineveh to preach the gospel to those people. Now don't you just love the persistent nature of God in the story? The fact that God does not give up on anyone. And friends, God is seeking to raise up people after his own heart. People who will respond when God says, go this way, or go that way, or yes, go to Nineveh. And even though God had every reason to write Jonah off, he doesn't do it. Instead, God pursues Jonah. He turns him around, and he renews his call. Because we come to chapter 3, which was our second scripture reading. and says in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. I just love the fact that God gives Jonah a second chance. He he recommissions him for his call to ministry. And this time, this time, Jonah obeys. Now, he doesn't like it any more the second time around than he did the first time, but this time, Jonah obeys, and he goes to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a great city for many different reasons. It was the capital of the Assyrian empire. It was great in power and influence. It was great in sizes, about double the size of Lancaster in population. In fact, in verse three, you heard me read it earlier, it says, it was a three days walk across. But what I want you to remember, what's most important is that Nineveh was a wicked city. At the beginning of the book, God told Jonah to go and preach the gospel to those people in Nineveh because its wickedness had come up before God. And we know that throughout history, the Assyrians were a a brutal and bloodthirsty people. We know that Nineveh was this cruel and violent city. And so Jonah is not all that enamored with the prospects of going there to preach the gospel to those people. After all, what hope is there for people in Nineveh? And so Jonah goes and he delivers a sermon that on the surface looks like a slap in the face. Stylistically, his preaching has no creativity, no imagination, no interesting sermon illustrations, and no movie clips. None of that. It is bare bones honest down to the core. In fact, Jonah bangs the pulpit and he says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. What a sermon. No good news, no good jokes, no hope. It's all doom and gloom for those Ninevites. It has to be the most unpopular message ever preached by a man who did not want to preach it to a people that he could not care less about. But guess what? The miracle of it all is that it worked. Somehow, the message got through to those people. And in one of the more underrated and understated verses of the Bible, it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. That's an amazing statement, if you think about it. What a turnaround. The Ninevites believed God. They prayed, and they fasted, and they petitioned God. The Ninevites turned their whole lives around, from the king on the throne down to the lowest household servant so when we think of the story of Jonah we tend to think of the great miracle that Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights but if you think that I think you're missing the boat pardon the pun in the story of Jonah the greatest miracle is the conversion of an entire city that never happened to Moses it never happened to David it never happened to Peter or the Apostle Paul, not even Billy Graham and his crusades and all the advantages of technology and television could boast the conversion of an entire city. Yet here we are in Nineveh. Everybody believed and changed their lives. And when God saw their hearts, God spared the Ninevites from the destruction that he had threatened. Now this leads us to one of the most controversial verses in all of the Bible. It's in... Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, listen to what it says. It says, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Some Bible verses say God relented. Some Bible translations say that God repented. The NRSV, which is I'm reading from, which is what you have in your pews there, it says that God changed his mind. I have to tell you that Bible scholars squirm in their seats when they read this verse. They will try to make this verse walk on all fours and do backflips all in an attempt to not make it say what it so obviously does say, that God saw the hearts of the people and he spared them. And so we need to remember that it is God who called Jonah to go to Nineveh in the first place. It was God who called Jonah to be the prophet there in Nineveh. And after hearing Jonah's message, the people responded. They repented. They turned from their violent ways. They turned from their evil ways. They turned from their wicked ways. And they did the very thing that God's heart desired. And so the Ninevites were brought into the very plan of God through their act of repentance. Friends, God's first priority when it comes to judgment is always correction and change. Correction and change. Correction and change. So, where does that leave us? The world says you can't change who you are. And the world is right. You can't change who you are by yourself. But Jesus Christ can. And Jesus Christ does. The Apostle Paul says so beautifully in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they become a brand new person. The old you is gone. And behold you are a brand new person in Jesus Christ we become new people he's the one who changes us from the inside out and he molds us and shapes us to become more like him it doesn't mean that all of our struggles are suddenly gonna disappear right away it doesn't mean that we're never gonna mess up again but it does mean that we have a new power working in our lives, and it is the power of God. Would you like to know what it is that excites me the most as a pastor? It's not a new program, it's not a new building, it's not even new members, as as fun as that is. What excites me the most is when people change, people who may have struggled in their marriage, people who may have struggled through an addiction, People who maybe had a faith that was in crisis, people who got angry way too much, people who tell me, John, I once was this, but now by God's grace, I am this. Friends, change happens when people change, and people change when Jesus Christ rules over their lives. Jonah's heart was changed. The people of Nineveh's heart was changed. And so we go not knowing the how or the when, and maybe not even understanding the why, but we leave it up to God, right? To change people's hearts. On an old episode of the TV show ER, this one particular episode focused on the stresses experienced by an emergency room physician, Peter Benton, an African American doctor. He worked about 80 to 100 hours a week, and then he went home to care his dying mother. His, his sister accused him of not doing enough to care for their mom. She said, oh, you're always down at that hospital. You're not here when we need you. You're not pulling your weight, Peter. Well, in this one episode, the, the mother's having a birthday, and that sister tells her brother, Peter, you will be here no matter what, no excuses. And he agrees, he promises to be there. Well, in the next scene, he's in the emergency room Room. He's wrapping up his ship when suddenly a patient is brought in, a skinhead stabbed in the heart during a gang fight. And the man is taken into the operating room. His clothes are stripped off of him in preparation for emergency surgery. Present in the room are Dr. Benton and an African American nurse who is about to insert an IV. And as the patient's clothes are being removed, a tattoo on his arm is revealed and it says, die, N word, die. Dr. Benton looks into the faces of those people around the operating table. He says, okay, people, let's get moving. We've got a job to do. He operates on the man. He saves his life. He goes home, and he gets there an hour after the birthday party has already ended for his mother. And his, his sister berates him for missing the party, and then she storms out of the room. And As Dr. Benton stands there in the dark, He cries out, can you believe it? I missed my my dying mother's birthday to save the life of a man with that word written on his arm. Well, friends, that is the world in which God is sending you and me this morning. That is the world into which God is sending us as his church. Because, you see, when God comes into our lives, he doesn't come with a call simply to go to Nineveh, but he also comes with the presence of Jesus Christ, so that we may bring his grace and his mercy and his love to go and love the people who are really difficult to love, the Ninevites who are in our lives. It doesn't mean it's always gonna be easy. It doesn't mean it's gonna be pretty. It doesn't mean that change is gonna even come quickly. And yet, believe it or not, God used Jonah, the runaway prophet, the man who ran from God, to bring about one of the greatest revivals in all of history. My friends of Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church, God is calling, the world is waiting, and so let's not run away, but run to the places that God truly wants us to be. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this prophet who initially, did not want to follow your command, did not want to obey, did not want to go where you wanted him to go. And Lord, you were so persistent and you got him there and then used him mightily to change a city's heart. God, might you be asking us to do the same thing? It doesn't have to be on the grand scale of changing an entire city that surrounds us, but maybe it's within our family. Maybe it's within our workplace, maybe it's in our neighborhood, or maybe that change just needs to start with us. Whatever it may be, O God, help us to know that we need to repent, to turn around, and to follow the path that you have lit for us, a path that leads to hope, a path that leads to healing, a path that leads to glory. We ask it, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.